Chapter 45, Some Soup. Cook stirred the soup and then put the spoon down and held a candle up and looked over at Despero. What are you waiting for? She said, go, go, go. There will never be another opportunity for a mouse to escape from my kitchen unharmed. The smell of soup again wafted in Despero's direction. He pointed his nose up in the air and his whiskers trembled. Yes, said Cook. That is soup you are smelling. The princess, not that you know or care, is missing. Bless her good-hearted self. And times are terrible. And when times are terrible, soup is the answer. Don't it smell like the answer? Yes, said Despero. He nodded. Cook turned away from him. She put the candle down and picked up her spoon and started to stir. Oh, she said, these are dark days. She shook her head and I'm kidding myself. There ain't no point in making soup unless others eat it. Soup needs another mouth to taste it, another heart to be warmed by it. She stopped stirring. She turned and looked at Despero. Mouse, said Cook, would you like some soup? And then, without waiting for an answer, she took a saucer and spooned some soup into it and set it on the kitchen floor. Come closer, she said. I don't aim to do you harm, I promise. Despero sniffed. The soup smelled wonderful, incredible. Keeping one eye on Cook, he stepped out from behind the spool of thread and crept closer. Go on, said Cook. Taste it. Despero stepped onto the saucer. Soup covered his paws. He bent his head to the hot broth. He sipped. Oh, it was lovely. Garlic and chicken and watercress. The same soup that Cook had made the day the queen died. How is it? asked Cook anxiously. Wonderful, said Despero. Too much garlic, said Cook, wringing her fat hands. No, said Despero, it's perfect. Cook smiled. See, she said, there ain't a body, be it mouse or man, that ain't made better by a little soup. Despero bent his head and again sipped. Cook stood over him and smiled, saying, it don't need a thing then? Is that what you're saying? It's just right? Despero nodded. He drank the soup in big, noisy gulps, and then he stepped out of the saucer, and his paws were damp, and his whiskers were dripping, and his stomach was full. <sighs> and Cook said to him, Not done already, are you? Surely you ain't done. You must want more. I can't, said Despero. I don't have time. I'm on my way to the dungeon to save the princess. Are you kidding me? Cook laughed. You're a mouse and you're going to go save the princess. Yes, said Despero. I'm on a quest. Well, don't let me stand in your way. And so it was that Cook held the door open to the dungeon while Despero rolled the spool of thread through it. Good luck, <laughs> she said to him. Oh, good luck saving the princess. She closed the door behind her, leaned against it, and shook her head. If that ain't an indicator of what strange days these are, she said to herself, then I don't know what is. Me, 
cook, feeding a mouse soup, and then wishing him good luck in saving the princess. Oh my, these are strange days indeed. Chapter 46, Mouse Blood. Yes. Despero stood atop the dungeon stairs and peered into the darkness that waited for him below. Oh, he said, oh my. He had forgotten how dark the dark of the dungeon could be. And he had forgotten, too, its terrible smell, the stench of rats and the odor of suffering. But his heart was full of love for the princess, and his stomach was full of, of cooked soup. And Despero felt brave and strong. And so he began immediately and without despair the hard work of maneuvering the spool of thread down the narrow dungeon steps. Down, down, down went Despero Tilling and the spool of thread slowly, oh, so slowly they went. And the passage was dark, dark, dark. I will tell myself a story, said Despero. I will make some light. Let's see. It will begin this way. Once upon a time, yes, once upon a time, there was a mouse who was very, very small, exceptionally small. And there is a beautiful human princess whose name was P. And so it happened that the mouse was the one who was selected by fate to serve the princess, to honor her, and to save her from the darkness of a terrible dungeon. The story cheered Despero up considerably. His eyes became accustomed to the gloom, and he moved down the stairs more quickly, more surely, whispering to himself the tale of a devious rat and a fat sermon girl and a beautiful princess and a brave mouse and some soup and a spool of red thread. It was a story, in fact, very similar to the one you are reading right now. And the telling of it gave Despero strength. He pushed the spool of thread with a great deal of gusto, and the thread, eager, perhaps, began its honorable task of adding aid in the saving of a princess, and leapt forward away from the mouse and went down the dungeon stairs ahead of him without him. No, cried Despero, no, 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 and he broke into a trot, chasing the thread through the darkness, but the spool had a head start, and it was faster. It flew down the dungeon stairs, leaving Despero far behind. When it came to the end of the stairs, it rolled and rolled until finally, lazily, it came to a stop right at the gnarled paw of a rat. What the do we have a here? What the do we have a here? Said the one-eared rat to the spool of thread. I will tell you what we have, said Bacioli, answering his own question. We have a red thread. How delightful. Red means one thing to a rat. He put his nose up into the air and he sniffed. He sniffed again. I smell. Could it be... Yes, most definitely it is. Soup. How strange. And I also detect the smell. And he put his nose high into the air and took a big whiff. 
of a flower and the oil. Oh my, what a cornucopia of a sense. But below it all, what do I smell? The blood of a mouse. Unmistakably, mouse blood. Yes, <laughs> exactly, a mouse. But Charlie looked down at the spool of thread and smiled. He gave a little gentle push with one paw. Red thread. Yes, exactly. Just when you think that life in the dungeon cannot get any better, a mouse arrives. Chapter 47, No Choice. Despero stood trembling on the steps. The thread was most definitely gone. He could not hear it. He could not see it. He should have tied it to himself but when he had the chance. But now it was too late. Despero's dire situation suddenly became quite clear to him. He was a two-ounce mouse alone in the dark, twisting in a dark, twisting dungeon full of rats. Eh, he had nothing but a sewing needle with which to defend himself. He had to find a princess. And he had to save her once he found her. It's impossible, he said into the darkness. I can't do it. He stood very still. I'll go back, he said. But he didn't move. I have to go back. And he took a step backwards. But I can't go back. I have no choice. And he took a step forward. And then another. No choice. His heart beat out to him. No choice. His heart beat out of him. As he went down the stairs, no choice, no choice, no choice. At the bottom of the stairs, the rat Bercioli sat waiting. And when Despero stepped off of the last stair onto the dungeon floor, Bercioli called out to him as if he were a long lost friend. Ah, said Bercioli, there you are. Exactly, I've been waiting for you. Despero saw the dark shape of a rat. That thing he had feared and dreaded for so long finally stepped out of the gloom and came to greet him. Welcome, welcome, said Bercioli. Despero put his paw on his needle. Ha, said Bercioli. Oh, you are armed. How charming. He put his paw up in the air. I surrender. Oh, yes, certainly. Uh, exactly. I surrender. I, said Despero. Yes, said Bertrolli. You? He took the locket from around his neck and began to swing it back and forth. Please, go on. I don't want to hurt you, said Despero. I just need to get by you. I, I, I'm on a quest. Oh, really, said Bertrolli. How extraordinary. A mouse on a quest. Back and forth, back and forth went the locket. What a quest for a what? A quest to save the princess. Oh, the princess, said Bertrolli. The princess, the princess. Everything seems to be about the princess these days. The king's men were down here searching for her. You know, they didn't find her. And that goes without a saying. But now a mouse has arrived. And he is on a quest to save the, to save the princess. Yes, said Despero, and he took a step to the left of Bertrolli. How, how inspiring, 
said Bertoni. He lazily took a step to his right, blocking Despero's way. Why are the hurry? Why are the hurry? Why are, why are the hurry, little friend? Because, said Despero, I have to. Yes, yes, you have to save the princess, exactly. But before you save her, you must find her, correct? Yes, said Despero. What if, said said Bocelli, what if I told you I know exactly where the princess is? What if I told you that I could take you right to her directly? Um, said Despero, and his voice shook, and his paw on the needle trembled. Why would you do that? Why would I do that? Why would I help you? Why, to be of the service, to do my part for humanity, to aid in the saving of a princess. But you are a, a rat, supplied Bertrelli. Yes, I am a rat and... I see by your, by your trembling, 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 that is, that the greatly, that the greatly ex exaggerated, that the greatly exaggerated, that the greatly exaggerated rumors of our evil nature have reached your oversized ears. Yes, said Despero, if, said Bertrolli, swinging the locket back and forth and back and forth, if you allow me of assistance, you will be doing me a tremendous favor. Not only can I do a good deed for you and the princess, but my actions will help dispel this terrible myth of evil that seems to surround the rats everywhere. Will you let me assist you? Will you let me assist myself and my kind? Reader, was this a trick? Of course it was. Bacholi did not want to be of service. Far from it. You know what Bacholi wanted. He wanted others to suffer specifically. He wanted this small mouse to suffer. How best to do that? Why take him directly to what he wanted, the princess. Let him see what his heart desired. And then, and only then, faced with what he loved, would Despero die. And at the end of it all, how tasty the mouse would be, seasoned with hope and tears and flour and oil, ah, and thwarted love. My name, little friend, is Bacholi, and you must trust me. You must trust me. Will you tell me your name? Despero? Despero Tilling? Despero Tilling. Come, come, said Bacholi. Let go of your needle. Take a hold of my tail, and I will lead you to your 
princess, I promise. What, reader, in your experience, is the promise of a rat? That's right. Zero zip, nada goose eggs. But I must ask you this question too. What else was there for Despero to hold on to? You're right again. Nothing. And so the mouse reached out and took hold of the rat's tail. Chapter 48 on the tail of a rat. Have you ever had to hold the tail of a rat? At best, it's an unpleasant situation. At best, it's an unpleasant sensation, scaly and cold, and similar to holding a small, narrow snake. And worse, when you are dependent upon a rat for your survival, and when a part of you is certain that you are being led nowhere except your death, it is a hideous sensation indeed to have nothing to hold on to but a rat's tail. Nevertheless, Despero held on to Petroli Remorse and the rat led him deeper and deeper into the dungeon. And Despero's eyes had by this point adjusted quite well to the darkness, though it would have been better if they had not, for there were a few things that made him shiver and shake. What did he see, you ask? Well, he saw that the floor of the dungeon was littered with tufts of fur and knots of red thread and skeletons of mice. Everywhere there were tiny white bones glowing in the darkness, and he saw the dungeon tunnels through what Bercioli led him, through which Bercioli led him, the bones of human beings too. Grinning skulls and delicate finger bones rising up out of the darkness and pointing to some truth best left unspoken. Despero closed his eyes, but it didn't help. He saw as if his eyes were still open wide, the bones, the tufts of hair, the knots of thread, and the despair. <laughs> Botroli laughed as he negotiated the twist and turns. Oh, yes, exactly. If what was in front of Despero was too horrible to contemplate, what followed behind him was perhaps even worse. Rats. A happy, hungry, vengeful parade of rats, their noses up in the air, sniffing, sniffing. Mouse, sang one of the joyful rats. Oh, yes, a mouse, agreed another, but something else, too. Soup, called another rat. Yes, soup, agreed the others. Blood, rang a rat. Blood, they all sang together, and then they sang... Here, mousy, mousy, mousy. Here, here, mousy, mousy. Come here, little mouse. Mousy, mouse. And Bocholi called out to the other rats, Mine, he said. This little treasure is all mine. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg your pardon, but do not interfere with my discovery. Mr. Remorso, said Despero, 
He turned and looked behind him and saw the rats, their red eyes and their smiling mouths. He closed his eyes again, keeping them closed. Mr. Remorzo, he shouted. Yes, said Bertoldi. Mr. Remorzo, said Despero, and he was crying now. He couldn't help it. Please, the princess? Tears, tears, said the other rats. Oh, Mousy has tears. Mm. Please, said Despero. Little friend, said Bertrolli. Little Despero Tilling, I promise you, and I will keep that promise. The rat stopped. Look ahead of you, he said. What do you see? Despero opened his eyes. Light, he said. Exactly, said Bertrolli. Light. Chapter 49, What Do You Want, Megary Sow? Again, reader, we must go backwards before we go forward. We must consider for a moment what had occurred with the rat and the servant girl and the princess down in the dungeon before Despero made his way to them. And what happened was this. Roscuro led the pea and Mig deep into the dungeon to a hidden chamber. And there he directed Mig to put the princess in chains. <sighs> said Mig. She's going to have a hard time doing her lessons all chained up like that. Do as I say, said Roscuro. Maybe, said Mig. We could switch clothes so Oz can be the princess and she's can be me before I lock her up. Oh, yes, said Roscuro. Certainly. What a wonderful idea. Miss Megary, princess, take off your crown and give it to the serving girl. Pea sighed and took off her crown and handed it to Meg. And Meg put it on, and it slid immediately right down her small head and came to rest quite painfully on her poor, abused ears. It's a biggish thing. Well, well, said Rescuro. How do I look? Meg asked, smiling at him. Ridiculous, he said. Laughable. Meg stood, blinking back tears. You don't mean... You mean... I don't look like a princess, she said to the rat. I mean, said a squirrel, you will never look like a princess, no matter how big a crown you put on your tiny head. <clears throat> you look exactly like the fool you are and always will be. Now, make yourself useful and chain the princess up. Dress-up time is over. Meg sniffed and wiped at her eyes and then bent to look at the pile of chains and locks on the floor. And now, princess, he said, <clears throat> I am afraid that the time of your truth has arrived. I will tell you now what your future holds. And <clears throat> I will tell you now what your future holds. As you consign me to darkness, so I will consign you too to a life spent in this dungeon. Meg looked up. Ain't she going upstairs to be a servant maid? No, said the squirrel. Ain't I going to be a princess then? No, said the squirrel. But I want to be a princess. No one, said the squirrel, cares what you want. As you know, reader, 
Megri Sow had heard this sentiment expressed many times in her short life, but now in the dungeon, it hit her full force. The rat was right. No one cared what she wanted. No one had ever cared. And perhaps worst of all, no one would ever care. I want, I want, cried Meg. Shh, said the princess. Shut up, said the rat. I want, Meg sobbed. I want, I want. What do you want, Meg? said the princess softly. Huh? shouted Meg. What do you want, Megary Sow? the princess shouted. Don't ask her that, said Roscuro. Shut up, shut up. But it was too late. The words had been said, and the question at last had been asked. The world stopped spinning, and all of creation held its breath, waiting to hear what it was Megary Sow wanted. I want, said Meg. Yes, said the pea. I want my ma, cried Meg into the silent waiting world. I want my ma. Oh, said the princess. She held out her hand to Meg, and Meg took hold of it. I want my mother too, said the princess softly, and she squigged Meg's hand. Stop it, shouted Rascuro. Chain her up, 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 chain her up. Uh, I ain't gonna do it. Chain her up. And you, you can't make me. Ah, I got the knife, don't I? And she took the knife and held it up. If you have any sense at all, said Roscuro, and I heartily doubt that you do, you will not use that instrument on me. Without me, you will never find your way out of this dungeon, and you will starve to death here. Gore, said Meg. Then, lead us out right now, or I will chop you into little rat bits. No, said Roscuro, the princess shall stay here. In the darkness, and you, Meg, will stay here with her. But I want to go upstairs. I am afraid, I am afraid we're stuck here, Meg, shouted the princess, unless the rat has a change of heart and decides to lead us out. There will be no changes of heart, said Roscuro. None. <sighs> said Meg, and she lowered the knife. And so, the rat and the princess and the serving girl sat together in the dungeon outside the castle. In the dungeon, as outside the castle, the sun rose and moved through the sky and sank to the earth again, and night fell. They sat together until the candle had burnt out, and another one had to be lit. And they sat there together in the dungeon. They sat and sat. And reader, truthfully, they might still be sitting there now, if a mouse had not arrived. Chapter 50, in which the princess says his name. Princess, Despero shouted, Princess, I have come to save you. The princess P heard her name and she looked up. Despero, she whispered, and then she shouted it again. Despero! 
Reader, there is nothing sweeter in this sad world than the sound of someone you love calling your name. Nothing. For Despero, the sound was worth everything. His lost tail, his trip to the dungeon, and back out of it, and back into it again. He ran towards the princess, but Roscuro, baring his teeth, blocked the mouse's way. The princess cried, Oh no, rat, please don't hurt him. He's my friend. Meg said, Don't worry, princess. I will save the Macy. She took the kitchen knife and she aimed to cut off the rat's head, but she missed her mark. Ah, whoopsie, said Migriso. Don't worry, princess. I will save the Macy. Chapter 51. What is that smell? Yow! Screamed Roscuro. He turned to look where his tail had been, and as he did, Despero drew his needle and placed the sharp tip of it right where the rat's heart should be. Don't move, said Despero. I will kill you. <laughs> oh, laughed Petroli from the sidelines. Exactly. He slapped his tail on the floor in approval. Absolutely a delightful. A mouse is going to kill a rat. Oh, this is much better than I anticipated. I love it when a mice come to the dungeon. Let me see, said one of the other rats, pushing and shoving. Stand back, Petroli told him, still laughing. Let the mouse do his work. Despero held the trembling needle against Roscuro's heart. The mouse knew that as a knight, it was his duty to protect the princess. But... Would killing the rat really make the darkness go away? Despero bowed his head ever so slightly, and as he did, his whiskers brushed against the rat's nose. Roscuro sniffed. What is that smell? he asked. Mouse blood! Mouse blood! said the rats. Mouse blood and bones! You are smelling tears, said Petroli. Tears and th tears and thwarted love. Exactly, said Roscuro. And yet, there's something else. He sniffed again. And the smell of soup crashed through his soul like a great wave bringing with it the memory of light and the chandelier and the music and the laughter and everything and all the things that were not would never could ever be available to him as a rat. Soup, moaned Roscuro, and he began to cry. Boo, shouted Petroli. Hissed the other rats. Kill me, said Roscuro, and he fell down before Despero. All I wanted was some light. And that is why I brought the princess here. Really, just for some beauty. Some light of my own. Please, shouted Bertoli. Do it. Kill him. He's a miserable excuse for a rat. No, Despero, said the princess. Don't kill him. Despero lowered his needle. He turned and looked at the pea. Boo! shouted Bertrolli again. Kill him! Kill him! All this goodness is making me sick. I've lost my appetite. Gore! 
shouted Meg, waving her knife around. I'll kill him. No, wait, said the princess. Rescuro, she said to the rat. What, he said. Tears were falling out of his eyes and creeping down his whiskers and dripping onto the dungeon floor. And then the princess took a deep breath and put her hand on her heart. I think, reader, that she was feeling the same thing that Despero had felt when he was faced with his father begging him for forgiveness. That is, the pea was suddenly aware of how fragile her heart was and how much darkness was inside of it, fighting always with the light. She did not like the rat, and she would never like the rat, but she knew what she must do to save her own heart. And so, here are the words the princess spoke to her enemy. She said, Rascuro, would you like some soup? The rat sniffed. Don't torment me, he said. I promise you, said the princess, that if you lead us out of here, I will get the cook to make you some soup, and then you can eat it in the banquet hall. Speaking of eating, shouted one of the rats, give us the mousy. Yeah, shouted another. Hand over the mouse. Who would want him now, said Bertrolli. The flavor of him is all ruined. All that forgiveness, all that goodness. Blech, I have for one am a leaving. Soup in the banquet hall? Rascuro asked the princess. Yeah, said the princess. Really? Truly, I promise. Gah, shouted Meg. Soup's illegal. But soup is good. But soup is good. But soup is good, said Despero. Yes, said the pea, isn't it? The princess bent down before the mousy. You are my knight, she said to him, with a shining needle. And I'm so glad you found me. Let's go upstairs. Let's eat some soup. And reader, they did. Chapter 52, Happily Ever After. But the question you wanted answered, I know, is did they live happily ever after? And yes and no. Whatever Scuro, did he live happily ever after? Well, the Princess P gave him free access to the upstairs of the castle, and he was allowed to go back and forth from the darkness of the dungeon to the light of the upstairs. But alas, he never really belonged in either place. The sad fate, I'm afraid, of those whose hearts break and mend in crooked ways. But the rat, in seeking forgiveness, did manage to shed some small light, some happiness, into another life. How? Rescuro, reader, told the princess about the prisoner who had once owned a red tablecloth. And the princess saw to it that the prisoner was released and Rescuro led the man up out of the dungeon and to his daughter, Megari Sow. 
Meg, as you might have guessed it, did not get to be a princess, but her father, to atone for what he had done, treated her like one for the rest of his days. And what of Despero? Did he live happily ever after? Well, he did not marry the princess, if that's what you mean by happily ever after. Even in a world as strange as this one, a mouse and a princess cannot get married. But reader, they can be friends and they were together on many adventures. And those adventures, however, are another story. And this story, I'm afraid, must draw to a close. But before you leave, reader, imagine this. Imagine an adoring king and a glowing princess and a serving girl with a crown on her head and a rat with a spoon on his, all gathered around a table in a banquet hall. In the middle of the table, there was a great kettle of soup. And sitting in the place of honor, right next to the princess, is a very small mouse with big ears. And peeking out from behind the dusty velvet curtain, looking in amazement at the scene before them, are four other mice. Mon Dieu! Look, look, says Antoinette. He lives! He lives, he lives, and he seems so happy. He seems such a happy mouse. Forgiveness, whispered Lester. Cripes, said Furlo. Unbelievable. Just so, said the Threadmaster Hovis, smiling. Just so. And reader, it is just so, isn't it? The end.